Hi, Leader, and welcome to yet another podcast of On Purpose with Lane Sites. You know, the deal, my name is Lane Sites, and my calling, my purpose is to get you into purpose on purpose. Listen, Leader, I am coming to you from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30 today. And I want to talk to you about critical self-inventory. One of the things that God has me do on a regular basis is continue to peer in and see what I have and see what I don't have. It's important for me as a leader to know what I carry and what I do not carry. Um, Critical self-inventory. It's necessary in order to be an effective leader. Your effectiveness can only be measured by how much they multiply your gifts and your talents. If God gave you two or five talents and he comes back and you still have what he gave you, you don't lead. You didn't lead. If you're not making any change, you're taking up space. What drives you, leader? What disturbs you? Because what disturbs you might be an indicator of what drives you. Don't work in an area that doesn't disturb you when it's wrong or it doesn't drive you to get it right. What do you disturb? When you walk in somewhere, what do you change? Are you the pebble that was thrown into the pond that never made a ripple? Your presence should disturb the tranquility of the moment. Change some things and stop being so passive. What makes you different from other individuals, leader? What do you offer to people that others don't offer? Your ministry should be a mirror of what God put in your spirit. You have to peel away the camouflage. You can't transform outwardly into something you are not inwardly. I know from years of being an evangelist and traveling as a prophet that churches take on the personality of their pastors. An arrogant church has an arrogant pastor. I don't even need to meet the pastor. I start with the person who meets me at the airport. I've already met the the pastor through the people who represent them. Unsuccessful leadership also fails to foster people that are meant to fulfill the gospel's mission into the world. I'm going to say that again. Unsuccessful leadership also fails to foster people that are meant to fulfill the gospel's mission into the world. Let me give you a couple points. One, unfortunately, much of what I see today isn't about fulfilling one's true potential as much as it is about appearing to fulfill what other people expect of you. Are you doing what you're called to do, leader? Are you doing what other people expect of you? At some point in your life, you're going to have to shift your focus to what God's called you to do. Are you doing what you're doing because mama called you, your pastor called you, some nice person told you? Are you doing what you're doing because there is a beating in your belly that did not let you get away from it until you said yes to the call? We naturally know how to lead if we allow ourselves. When we have these things called instincts, when instincts are ignored, leaders become followers and followers become unemployed. You hear what I just said? When instincts are ignored, that natural thing that God put in you, we're naturally supernatural. Leaders become followers and followers become unemployed. Listen to this. Anything we do for years that doesn't match the inner imprint of our gifting will eventually become monotonous and routine, ritualistic and frustrating. I'm going to say that again. Because you need to hear this. Anything that we do for years that does not match the inner imprint of our gifting, it will eventually become monotonous and routine, ritualistic, and most of all, frustrating. 
Leader, frustration is only birth when you live beneath your purpose. Are you doing what God called you to do? Are you doing what he put you in the earth to do? Number four, leadership emerges not only when an individual can capably do what needs doing. The real test is passed when a person can implement what needs to be done through others, not just through you. You pass the test of leadership when you can implement what needs to be done through others. A real leader can pull someone out, give them understanding of their own calling and push them to do something they never would have been able to do before. One of the three of the things that I say for me that I am called to do, I am called to provoke, propel, and push. Those are my, those are part of my calling, provoke, propel, and push. And if I'm not careful, I can sit back and not do those callings and never be able to be what God called me to be. I provoke, I propel, and I push. And I can implement what needs to be done through other people. Number five, when you operate independently in the midst of your team, it can stunt the growth at at their growth as well as your own. You're not a lone ranger. You don't want to lead a task, run a business, direct a philanthropy, guide a church, guide a ministry, if your stakeholders assume you don't need their help. If you want to lead by your instincts, then you must create a vision large enough that you cannot achieve it alone. Anything that you can do within your lifetime is not a God-given ministry. It's not a God-given calling. Anything you can do in your lifetime that doesn't outlive you and doesn't take other people helping you is not a calling that God has given you. You you need to have a vision large enough that you cannot achieve it on your own. Start pushing something that you can't carry and watch how people will come to your aid to help you. But pick up a box you can manage and people will simply watch you carry the load. Have a team that travels with me. Have a team that helps me out at our ministry center. They understand their role. They understand their task. They understand what God's called them to do. Make sure your vision outlives you, leader. Number six, don't allow the criticisms of others or the distractions of the urgent to deter you from your destiny. Don't allow the criticism of others. That's so good because I alone for years, you know, when I first got called to ministry, nobody cared. I was not effective. I wasn't really anointed. I had a bit of anointing that God gave me, but not one that I'd worked on carrying myself that he had had told me how to uh, boost this thing within me. And and so as I became effective, that's when rumors begin to fly, all kinds of things begin to talk. Don't allow the criticism of others or the distractions of the urgent to deter you from your destiny. Leader, who cares what they say? You have to come into a place where you walk in enough confidence that you know God called you, they did not. You do what God called you to do. Stay accountable, stay humble, And don't allow the criticism of others or the distractions of what's going on in the urgent realm to deter you from your destiny. Number seven, I prefer leaders who have been in the trenches. I don't like leaders who don't know what they're doing. I like them, but I don't want them leading me. 
I prefer leaders who have been in the trenches. I want a leader who walks with a limp. I want a leader who's had to be at war and has scars. I want a leader who's been through hell and high water and back and can tell the story of everything that God did to help. I, t- I tend to prefer people who know what it means to rise through the ranks and see the organization from a variety of angles and positions. Listen, when I was called into ministry, I started out in the nursery changing diapers and burping and feeding and rocking and putting to sleep uh, with somebody in the nursery. And then I moved to two-year-old Sunday school and taught Sunday school as a 12, 13-year-old kid. And and if you can imagine teaching two-year-old Sunday school and then going from there to children's church and dressing up like a clown and doing puppets and holding up my big fat, at at that time I was a chubby kid, and holding up my big arm until it hurt, uh, doing puppets behind a puppet screen and and then rising from there to working in the youth and rising from there to teaching uh, senior citizens men's Sunday school class and then traveling all over the world, preaching in crusades, conferences, camp meetings, in churches, hotel conference rooms, uh, community centers, uh, arenas, crusades, uh, uh, soccer stadiums, anywhere you can name it, I've been there, block buildings in, in Nigeria, I've been there. I like to be around people who knows what it means to rise through the ranks and see this life from a variety of angles and positions because I am admittedly a pull yourself up by the bootstrap person and I work my way up, always crawling before I walked. I value people who have enjoyed wide and diverse experiences. People who have failed and learned something from what what went wrong. People who shrugged it off and kept going. That's, that's who I admire. People who go, you know what? Maybe that didn't work like I thought it was going to. Uh, I, I've got a different plan. God's given me something different. Leader, this is the season to understand that you can't rely on everybody to pull you up. You have to be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Work your way through this. People, listen, people are going to talk. Everybody's not going to believe in you. Some people are going to laugh at you. They're not going to realize or understand your calling. And you know why? It's not theirs. It's yours. Shrug it off and keep going. Number eight, often our drives and tenacity come from places that stink in our lives. You better hear me. Often our drives and tenacity come from places that stink in our lives. The sweet smell of success is often preceded by the sour stench of past mistakes. I really believe that God cannot use you in a big way until you've messed up in a big way. I really believe that God cannot use you in a huge way until you've messed something up. And that's why he allows you to mess up at a lower level so you can reign at a, at a higher level. Do you understand? Our drives and tenacities come from the places that stink in our lives. The sweet smell of success is often preceded by the sour stench of past mistakes. Listen, if you go back and study, you find out that Joseph was thrown in, the, in a pit. His great-grandfather, what's this, was Abraham, who was given a promise and thought he could work the promise out by himself. As he goes to work out the promise, him and his wife go to work out the promise, Sarah, go to work out the promise by themselves. He then entertains the, the company of his wife's handmaiden, Hagar, tries to give God a hand in this, has a son through that. It becomes a mistake. Ishmael is not a mistake, but what he did to conceive Ishmael is a mistake. Later on, 
His great-grandson's in a pit. His brothers have thrown him there. His father thinks he's dead. His brothers have lied and contrived a story. And now, who comes along to pull Joseph out of that pit? His grandfather's mistake, a band of Ishmaelites. Often our drives and tenacity come from places that stink in our lives. The sweet smell of success is often preceded by the sour stench of past mistakes. Quit going over your past mistakes. Let them be what they are. Past mistakes and now I'm looking for the sweet smell of success in my life. Many people seem to have trouble identifying their highest passion and gifting. I often tell them your purpose is in your passions. Not just what you love, but what you can passionately hate. If you can't stand to see bad hairdos, maybe you should consider becoming a hairstylist. If you can't stand to eat bad food, maybe you should open your own restaurant. If you don't like the way elderly people are treated in certain facilities, maybe you're called to open your own facility. If you, if you have a passion for children, maybe you should open your own daycare. You don't like any of the bakeries in your area, maybe God's calling you to anoint cakes and open up a bakery. A lot of people seem to have trouble identifying their highest passion and gifting. And this is what I tell them. Your purpose is in your passions. Not just what you love, but what you passionately hate. I know for me, I despise religion. Religion is a con. It teaches you to abide by certain rules, certain codifications, and you never have to have a relationship in religion. Relationship is where it's at. So my job, I passionately hate religion. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about Christianity. You have to hear me in the spirit. I'm talking about religion, not Jesus. He is not religion. He is relationship. I passionately despise religion and everything that comes along with it. The ritualistics, the mess, the politics, the money, the hierarchy, the ranking. This is what God said. It's now time for you to find your purpose within your passions. What do you love? What do you hate? What do you love to see? What do you hate to see? Maybe you're sick of whoever it is singing in your ministry that sings off key. If you can sing, maybe you need to step up and sing. Leader, this is the season to do some critical self-inventory. God is not finished with us. Critical self-inventory. Acts chapter 3 says that there was a man who was laid daily at the gate called Beautiful. Peter and John walk up at the hour of prayer and they're going into the temple in prayer. But an ugly thing screams out to them. A man who is crippled from birth. He has one weakness. His ankles are weak. He's got feet. He's got toes. He's got legs. He's got muscles. He's got tendons. But his ankles are weak. Here he is brought there daily by the same people to beg. Peter and John knowing what they have, say to him in essence, now the King James said, silver and gold have on none. They weren't saying we're broke. They're saying silver and gold is not going to help you. You've been getting silver and gold for years. You've been in the same spot for years and years and years. And the same answer you've been asking for hasn't changed you. Silver and gold have we none. But such as we have, give we unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up, take up thy mat, and walk. 
They did critical self-inventory that morning and knew what they carried. Leader, this is the season to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Find out what you carry so that you'll know what you can give. All right, leader, that's all I've got for today. I hope this critical self-inventory has helped you and blessed you and sent you to the next level. Listen, if you're ever in the Gadsden, Natala area in Alabama, come and see us. Uh, we are at currently Lane Sites Ministries, 209 Gilbert Ferry Road, Suite 4, Atala, Alabama, 35954. We'd love to see you. We've got two services every week, Tuesday Leadership, 515 for prayer, 6 p.m. promptly for word. That's every Tuesday night. Every Friday night, the Friday night fire. It's amazing. It's the culmination service of our week, 630 for intercession, 715 for worship, and it is life changing. If you're ever in the area, there's great restaurants, there's great hotels. Make your plans to join us. We'd love to see you soon. All right, leader, that's all I've got. So until next week, know that I love you. I'm praying for you. I believe in you. And I cannot wait to see your face in this place soon. God bless you.